Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time for the baseball podcast with, I'm going to get your title right, <laughs> Bally's national MLB writer, David Brown. That is close enough. Thank you, Andy. No, it's not, so it's not, all right, next, next time. I'll get it completely right next time, whatever that is. Uh, and as always, this is the Pointless Exercise Podcast, so you can... Uh, subscribe to the podcast. You found it, so you already know how to do that. You can subscribe to the newsletter at pointlessexercise.com. Uh, and, uh, oh, there's a new T-shirt. It's not. You can still buy Prospect Pervert if you want. Um, <laughs> but now there's one that says, if Saya doesn't swing at it, it's not a strike. Huh? Well, I, is, is that going out of style already? Well, because he struck out three times during the game that's on right now? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, the, it's the T-shirt. It took oh, yeah. a bad. It took a bad turn. Maybe I should take it down. Actually, I think what's happened is I think once a thousand people have bought the T-shirt, it'll remove the curse. Say you'll go back to not striking out again. How about that? I like where you're going with that. Absolutely, good positive thinking there and marketing. So I'd like to be as timely as possible with this. The last time we did this podcast, literally while we were doing it, uh, old friend of the Cubs. Joe Madden uh, intentionally walked um, Corey Seager with the bases loaded in the fourth inning. Right. Game. He did it because he had brought a left-hander in and the two guys coming up after Seager were left-handed hitters. And he just said, eh. his explanation after the game left uh, a lot to be desired. Basically said, what do you think? Should we do this? And the, whoever his pitcher, I don't know who the pitcher, it doesn't matter who the pitcher was. He was like, sure. Like, so he was on board. Yeah. Um, my, I wasn't. I was certainly not shocked that Joe did something like that. I was amused by baseball Twitter's reaction, which it shouldn't be. They basically wanted Joe fired during the game, um, as if it was relevatory. I the the despite the fact you know the Angels won that night. They won the next two. They won the next two games in that series. They're currently in first place in the American League West. So um, maybe hold off on the firing squad. Sparks by Joe's all because of that. It's it's they literally have been on fire ever since he handed the Rangers a run. He just I mean, you talk run. you talk about the reaction from Twitter though. You remember that? Did you notice the Mike Trout reaction? He was, mm-hmm. he was like, "What? Huh? Counting? Wait, <laughs> like looking at the? Was there somebody on all of the bases? <laughs> what are we? Have we gotten ourselves into here? Uh, so last night, Shohei took a perfect game into the sixth. Um, and Joe said. Shohei was staying in until he either got the perfect game or somebody reached. He wasn't going to yeah. do this Mamby Pamby Clayton Kershaw stuff. Um, despite the fact that they probably should treat uh, Shohei and his arm with just as much caution as the Dodgers are treating are treating Clayton and his. I don't think it's a surgically repaired elbow, right? He just had elbow problems last year, and they yeah. were like, "We got to kind of nurse him into the." There was. Short spring training, Kershaw actually signed late, so right. it made it that as much as it you know it made sense. But Joe's like, screw it. 
Shohei's gonna he's gonna do it. I did I enjoyed in that game the <laughs> the theory in the top of the sixth. Shohei bunted for a hit. And then uh, the Astros, Dusty came out and changed pitchers. And there was uh, there was some immediate speculation that then caught fire afterwards that Shohei having to stand and wait at first base for a pitcher to warm up probably tired him out. It's like, oh, <laughs> fuck's sakes. How fragile are these pitchers, do we think? Are you all right? Should we, instead, how about this? Instead of bringing the jacket out for Shohei, let's bring out a stool. <laughs> Trey, do you yes. want to sit for a little bit? Sure. All right. Good. It's comfortable. Um, you know, maybe maybe just during the first battery phases, don't hit. This guy's not going to get hit. Just stay on the stool. Rest up. You got more important things to do. Have a a teammate come by who's not in the game and get into a position where <laughs> Shohei can sit on him. Yeah. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Be a good use of Ryan Tapera. Yeah. Yes. Ryan, assume the position. Shohei's going to sit on you for a while. What? Wait a minute. What? I got an MVP vote a couple years ago. Yeah, it was an accident. Get in all fours. Fine. Um, another managerial uh, news today. I'm sure you saw that Miguel Cabrera was coming up with a yes. chance to get his 3,000th hit. And Aaron Boone intentionally walked him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Miggy then had to calm the crowd down. The crowd was right. booing, and he's like, you know, the Tigers, it didn't even work. The Tigers no. ended up scoring two more runs, and they won three to nothing. Um, but I immediately then wondered, because it, the, it was the last game of the series, and I thought, well, I mean, obviously Aaron Boone is under no. <laughs> it's not like he's like, oh no, we got to give the good people of Detroit a chance to see the three thousandth hit. <laughs> um, and I thought that would really suck for the fans if now they're going to go on like a ten game road trip. Yeah. Um, the Rockies are coming to Detroit tomorrow. Okay. So uh, Miggy will. Get I don't a even chance. think I realized that part. I, had, I looked it up, and it was the Rockies making a rare, um, a rare road appearance this season. Wow. Yeah, that they, is an an awkward pairing, the Rockies and the Tigers. Yeah, they uh, well, the people they gotta you know they gotta drive all the way back out to Dearborn and then drive all the way back into Detroit if they want to see it. You that's know? right. It's like we came all the way down here. The the Rockies uh, ten of their tw- ten of their first twelve games have been at home. Uh, they go on like a short like a six game road trip, and then they come back for another long homestand. Um. So people are like, oh, look, the Rockies might be pretty good. No, no, they're not good. I mean, they were terrible last year, and they won 48 games at Coors Field. <laughs> this is what they do. They'll win, like, 12 games on the road this year. It'll be fine. The record <laughs> will even out. It was like I was trying to calm Cub fans down who were going, who were getting all gooey about the offense. And at the time they were doing it, I said, guys, they literally have played 44% of their games at Coors Field this season. They hit 17 doubles in four games at Coors Field. All of them on the ground. Every single every single one of them on the ground. Negative 12 launch angles. A few years ago, I don't even want to, what year was it? 19? The Cubs' one big free agent signing was uh, Daniel Descalso. Mm. The reason for the signing was, Theo was telling us, Hey, don't worry. This is brilliant. He, in his last year in Arizona, 
he increased his launch angle. And now all those like fly balls to the warning track are home runs now. His guy's right. amazing. He's incredible. This is great. And he was terrible. Uh, t- terrible to the point where they just ate the second year of his contract and said, just go, pl- go, go. go play with yourself. Um, we don't want to watch this anymore. So I, the Cubs launching it was a thing. It does not appear to be a thing with the current iteration of the Cubs who hit uh, 60% of their balls on the ground. 60. They've got some players um, like Nick Madrigal, uh, about 75% of his balls are hit, are trying to be rolled through the infield. That does not seem like a uh, sustainable strategy for success. Whatever happened to the line drive up the middle? I guess there's someone shifted there, so you can't do that anymore. Um, Madrigal's an interesting player. Um, he he does one thing well, and it turns out it's grounding into double plays. He's <laughs> leading the league. The Cubs as a team are leading the league, and he individually is leading the league. Uh, but no, we heard all this stuff about how you're going to love this guy. He makes contact all the time, doesn't strike out, but he also um, doesn't walk. Oh, he's yeah. not very fast. He's very tiny. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's very small. Um, he's not an exceptionally good uh, defensive second baseman. No. He has a very weak arm. There were twice in the Rocky series where they had a shift on where he was playing uh, just to the shortstop side of second base. Both times the ball was hit to him. Neither time could he actually make the throw to first. That's too far. And at the time, and still, I just wondered, why are you shifting a player to a position where he can't make the throw? It doesn't seem to be, it is not doing him any favors. It's also not doing the team any favors. Um, I say that other than other than that. Oh, he, and he doesn't hit for any power, ever. Um, other than that, he's really good. So, very excited about uh, the next four years of Nick Madrigal playing second base. Do they need to find someone uh, to compensate for the arm to do a, uh, a, uh, you know what it's called? A relay? I was going to say a rally. That's yeah. not it. They have to put a cutoff man between the second baseman and first cutoff. base. Yes. Yes. It's, I, they might want to try it. Um, but this is a team who tonight, uh, they put a shift on. Speaking of shifts, where they uh, they didn't put anybody near the third base bag. Um, what's his name? Um, why can't I think of uh, Reynolds' first name from the Pirates? Ryan. Ryan. I wanted to call him Kevin. That would be Kevin Mick Reynolds. That wouldn't be Kevin <laughs> Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Um, hit a slow roller just past the bag. Poor little P. Wiz. Patrick Wisdom was chasing it, and it was going to be an easy double. Uh, nobody bothered to cover third base. I think it's the pitchers. It problem. had to be that, and I was amazed because Jim Deshays is like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe Wilson could have gone and covered. Well, let's go. Let's leave home plate unattended. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I would think that the the pitcher could have wandered over there. He didn't have to actually be on third. He just had to be in the vicinity right. so that when Reynolds looked right. up, he's like, oh, there's somebody there. Instead, he looked yeah. up and there was nothing, oh. and he just he just took off. So, uh, a very well designed defense. Forty nine and point four mile an hour triple. 
The last time a guy got a triple on a ball hit that slow, a bird had actually picked it up and flew <laughs> away with it. I don't know who that was, but I'm sure it happened. Larry Bittner. It could have been. It could have been Larry Bittner. Um. So you you've been you've been out to the ballpark in Kansas City a, c- a couple of times this week. I have to uh, see the how's tigers. the uh, how's the, the how are the fountains? Yeah. Are they still spraying all over the all over the cameras? Did you take care of that? The uh, I did. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. uh, That's what I thought. I out with a pipe wrench and fix that. <laughs> yes, I have one too <laughs> that I've never figured out how to use. But um, no, as I as I. As I think I mentioned, my father-in-law helped install those fountains, he and um, he's no longer with us, so I can't like ask him for advice on hey, how can we get the sea spray to stop? Yeah. But uh, the forty mile an hour winds have ceased in the Kansas City area, uh, so that was really the big culprit. And I think the fountains have been staying within themselves quite literally <laughs> ever since. So, uh, yeah, that hasn't been an oh, issue. That's, that's good. I'm gonna miss oh. the poor center field camera operator uh, having to just wipe it down yes. with a towel between pitches <laughs> made so, for an excellent broadcast yeah so they ironed out that problem i did i got to see javier Baez uh just kind of uh, hang around for a few days with a with a overgrown thumb and they finally put him on the the injured list i didn't really get a chance to see how he was doing but uh he started out well and then Got her, oh, got hurt celebrating, mm-hmm. beating the White Sox on opening day. Don't I don't know. Did you go over this last week? I still, it's like he's the most unlucky celebratory man in the world. He last year he wins that uh, helps win the game for the Mets, and he loses his earring. Yeah. And now, uh, and now this. So I, you know, I didn't really get a chance to follow up on on either of those topics. But do you think that's um, how he hurt his thumb? He was he was overcompensating. He was like protecting his earrings with his hands, and they were hitting him in the head. And he got that's hit a on good the question. Thumb. Yeah, I that could uh, be why. Were you overcompensating yeah. for your earring loss, and you ended up taking no, a, no it's my taking jewelry. A celebratory head slap. I'm right keeping to the my thumb. jewelry. My four hundred thousand dollar studs. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, we're joking, but yeah, that's basically what happened. He was like mm-hmm. bracing himself and like. They ripped his thumb off, and it was just so. It's going to be a while till Javi gets back on the field. <sighs> That's too bad. In typical Javi fashion, though, he played. This is what he would do with the Cubs. The um, he'd get hurt. Javi is a guy <laughs> we learned as Cub fans. Um, he'll get hurt like four times a week, where you think he's dead. Like he'll just be laying on the grass, and you're like, "Oh no, this is terrible!" And then he's they like, "Gumby," he hops right up, and he's fine. Yeah. Um, there was a great example of that in the. Um, uh, it was in the World Series run in 2016, where all of a sudden he's. It was in. The, it was in a, the, one of the Dodgers games towards the end of the game, and Javi's limping horribly. Can't put any weight on his foot. And you're like, holy shit! This is typical Cub luck. You know, he's having a he's he was an LCS co MVP with John Lester. Yeah. He's having a great series, and he's hurt. And you just your whole the whole season is flashing before your eyes. And when they came back out to take the field uh, for the top for the bottom of the inning, he's just playing shortstop. He's fine, right? Yeah, or second base. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good. You were just they just brought crutches out for you. No, I'm good. Okay. 
so we never thought he'd get hurt. And then there was the year where um, it was when they didn't make the playoffs in the Daniel Descalso year of uh, 19. And um, they kept talking about how Javi was playing with a bruised heel. And he was playing and limping around and playing okay. And um, then they're like, oh, we uh, he played with it for like two weeks. Like, oh, we x-rayed it. It's broken. <laughs> By the way. Like, wait a minute Why, it took you two weeks did, did, did you have to order an x-ray machine I thought you had one in the fancy new clubhouse so I think there's just this feeling like he's just like I'm fine I'll just play with it Yeah. and then after a couple, after a few days in Detroit they were like uh Javi uh, that thumb is enormous is it supposed to be that big Let's maybe we'll take a look at that you've got Bob's big boy's thumb that's probably not <laughs> That's probably not good. If you're wondering, there are still Bob's Big Boys in Michigan. Are there? Yes. I know because I would drive by one when I um, I lived in Traverse City for a few years. And I'd be driving up from this area and go right by the Big Boy. I ate there once. Once. <laughs> and that was enough. Yeah. It's much better to just drive by and look at the ridiculous, um, I don't guess it's a statue. It's a piece of it's yeah. an art installation. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> This the enormous, the big boy. It's uh, a rocket ship in Austin Powers. Yeah, that's right. It was. The food tasted like it may have had some sort of rocket fuel sprinkled over <laughs> it. Um, so there's that. So offense in general is down in the major leagues. And there are lots of theories. I wonder, do you have a theory as to why... Um, home runs are down and just scoring in general. Well, two, I guess, theories. Well, one isn't so much a theory, but we've talked about how there are humidors in every ballpark now, and that must be affecting the the balls in a certain way that is dampening, if you will, home run parade. And the other thing is the ball itself, we know they keep changing the composition of the ball. And, you know, I've, I've asked some like guys on the Royals, if they notice anything, the Royals don't notice anything because they're, they're oblivious to home runs anyway. And like, no, we don't know you know, because they've, they've been like 40 mile an hour winds in Kansas city, making the fountains shake. And uh, you know, they just think that it's the the environment or the weather or whatever, keeping, you know, they, they don't know, but the composition of the ball Last year, they used two different balls. This year, there's like a third different ball. There's that. There's the humidors. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's some combination of that plus the weather and all those other things that happen in April. And So it's kind of an amalgam. Not really sexy theory, but that's what I got. Um, yeah, I've, I didn't know until now that the new ball, the one they're using this year, is made out of wet paper. <laughs> It doesn't seem like a, it, it seems like it would be tough to hit that. I, I honestly, I think that the the lack of home runs is simply because the Cubs are hitting the ball on the ground. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it has drugged the entire the entire sport down. Um, the magical line, if you will. So um, during the Cub game that, that is on in the background as we're doing this, um, Boog and JD talked about the new um, rosin bags. Okay. There's you get your choice of two different one pitchers can pick which one they want. 
This isn't like during the pandemic. Remember when, remember when the guys had to bring their own rosin bags to the mound? <laughs> right. <laughs> bring your own bag. It's BYOB. Bring your own bag. <laughs> There's two different kinds. One is called the rock, which does that doesn't sound pleasant. And then the other one is, uh, I don't know, I forget what it was. Old puffy. I forget. I don't know what they called the second one, but uh, there's two different kinds of rods. And um, one is apparently a little more uh, like the traditional, you know, uh, sticky talcum powder stuff. The other one is um, apparently just really sticky. Um, and in spring training, <laughs> Rick Sutcliffe had one and he they put him on camera. He took the rosin bag and he put it on his forearm. And he just held his forearm up, and it wouldn't fall off his forearm. Oh. It was under, it was on the bottom, it was under the underside of his forearm. And he's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, I don't know about this. I hope he got it off. <laughs> hope he's not still walking around with the thing stuck to his arm. Rick, what is that? That's oh, a rosin bag. I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to get rid of it. <laughs> Do you have any ideas? <laughs> Does George Clooney have any ideas? What's he, what's he doing? No, sorry, Rick. He's going to go and take care of that thing. <laughs> He's going to take care of this thing. Clooney. It's getting itchy. <laughs> it's like the uh, the gag from uh, Naked Gun or um, Police Squad, maybe, where the giant man is, is eating a banana. And he's like, you got something on the side of your mouth. Oh, no, the other side. And this big piece of a banana falls. And <laughs> Oh, Rick, you had this rosin bag. Oh, right. I knew. I forgot. So now, wasn't originally the um, they blamed they blamed the the I, don't, I can't keep track of what year this was, but they they changed ball manufacturers, right? Or the plant? Yeah. I think it's still who makes who makes our Rollins? who makes our balls? Rollings, yeah, Rollings makes our balls still. Um, and they were blaming it that the the, the machines instead of the, the poor sweatshop ladies in Costa Rica, they actually had <laughs> machines, and they were they the machine was was winding the ball too tight. Yeah. It was making it like a super ball and they were going to have to figure that out. So then they, uh, I don't know. I think, is there a dial on the machine? Maybe turn it to the left. See what happens. <laughs> is that better? I don't know. I don't, uh, so they were going to, they were going to mess with it that way. Um, and so then there was, well, it's the ball's too hard. And then we'll get now we'll get a softer ball. It's like at some point, did you just stop messing with it? You just it's a ball. There's your ball. We're just gonna play with it. And right. fans like home runs. That's that's fine. I don't I don't mind if the ball gets hit uh, occasionally into the stands. That seems all right by me. But now there's the um, they used one in I guess the Arizona Fall League that is dimpled. Yeah, they actually got like an actual, like a more like a basketball kind of a feeling. So you could get the ball wouldn't be completely smooth. That way, they wouldn't need the the umps wouldn't need to be using the Mississippi mud or whatever the hell this stuff is that they rub all over the balls because there would be a little bit of tack to the ball itself, like and... the one that they use in Japan. Yeah, that's right. Supposedly, the the Japanese the NPB ball is is dimpled, and they don't use any. Uh, even rosin, I don't think. Yeah. They don't need any real special sauce. No. Rubbed all over the ball. It is odd that after 
<laughs> for like a hundred years, the solution was just rub some shit all over it. <laughs> just give the ump, we'll give the we give the ump a little a jar full of shit, and they'll just rub it all over the balls. And then the players will just play with the ball that has shit rubbed all over it. Okay, you're right. That's the best. I can't come up with a better idea than that. This is great. And will it will it be consistent? Will the umps rub the same amount of shit on every ball? No, no. Uh, every ball will be different. Every ump will be different. <laughs> There will be no, everything will be completely different from every, you never know what you're going to get when that ball, when that ump throws you a new ball, it might not even be white. Who knows? That'll be great. But for a hundred years, that was like, yeah, that's weak. There's, there's no other way to do it. This is it. Ah, baseball. It's, we just, and we just like write that stuff off as charm. <laughs> oh no, we love that. Cause that's the way it is. We love it. Just like with uh, umpires completely butchering the strike zone. <laughs> no, it's a human element. It's what makes a human it great. element. It makes it great. We love no flat. two ballparks are exactly alike. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, ballparks are different. Thing. The strike zones are different. The balls are different. It's great. And yet we will compare every player ex- on exactly the same things. <laughs> every every variable in the game will be completely different. But we're all going to compare them like everything was uh, completely hermetically sealed. <laughs> Because I know I I like nothing more than watching uh, Angel Hernandez and Laz Diaz just completely uh, <laughs> befuddle everyone. With, wait, how is that a strike? That was the the last pitch was in the same spot. That wasn't a strike. No, that's 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 how it is. It's a human element. It makes the game great. So um, most teams have played. Somewhere around 13 or 14 games at this point. So we're uh, almost 10%, according to my math, mm. into the season. Which should be more than that, but uh, we had to lose the first week of games, and they're just going to s- sprinkle them in. It was funny. There was somebody who posted the <laughs> – they had a like a screenshot of the Giants' schedule, and they just had a circle around this one random game in Milwaukee. <laughs> the guy was like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I was like, that's one of the games that they're making. I was like, they're just going to go to Milwaukee for one game? Yes, they are. It's a lot easier to fly into Milwaukee than it used to be. So, yeah. Cincinnati, um, now that's a hard town to get in and out of. <laughs> um, so, uh, roughly 10% in. Are there any teams that are uh, 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 that are really surprising? You know, I got to look at the standings because I'm, I'm definitely one of these people that it's not good necessarily for a baseball writer. It's not like I'm not paying attention. Well, but it doesn't it's matter. So, Other than the fact, I just ask you, what happens after 14 games is relatively meaningless, right? Other than That's, something to talk I mean, about on a podcast. Okay, I'm just saying. Let me look. Let me look here. I'm, I'm saying that the, the fact that you haven't assiduously studied the standings is probably not a personal failing on your part. I'm surprised that the Orioles have four wins in 13 games. I thought they might not somehow they might somehow lose 14 and 13. So that's sort of surprising. That's kind of like um, how Patrick Wisdom struck out 26 times in his first 21 at bats. <laughs> yeah, same principle. Now but now he has 14 hits in his last nine at bats. So he's making up for it. Everything evens out. Baseball is amazing in that way. Um, let's see. No, no. I mean, it's funny that the Reds are two and eleven. I guess I thought that that was possible, and then the 
the owner's son comes out and says, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. They have, and, not, they have not won since he said. And they have not won. They, and they, they've I lost believe every in, game like nine to two. Yeah, and I believe in ten, they've lost ten in a row. And in those ten games, I believe they've scored fewer, two or fewer runs five times. Right. That's not good. I don't know that you know that. It's not good. I, yeah. I, I am I'm not. Uh, the Padres are doing pretty well. Mackenzie Gore has come up, their prospect, from the minors and sort of has recaptured himself. You, you know, you're asking – I, so I'm not surprised that the, the Padres are 9-5, and five, but I got the feeling that nobody thought that they'd be any good, that they just continued to lose like they did at the end of last year. And I think they are they were sort of, sort of my sleeper pick to finish 20 games behind the Dodgers, and that, I think that's going to – that could happen. And, uh, and they'll be with the, the Giants fighting it out for second place. So in a positive way, so, you know, not surprised that the, the Padres are 9-5, and five, but pleasantly surprised that a thing that I guessed before the season – through 14 games is kind of happening. So if that answers your question in a way. Uh, are you surprised that the Padres have yet to make an error? The Royals have yet to make an error. Them oh, too, huh? Soon, the Padres? Yeah. And the Cubs, until Jonathan Villar decided to play soccer with the ball last night, had only made one. And it's, Tim Anderson still has more errors than the oh, Cubs. Man. I think those happened in one inning too, didn't they? Maybe they didn't, but it seemed he made, like they he did. had three in one inning, and they made another uh, later in the game. And that's when he flipped off the fans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's way too much the flipping the flipping flipping going on. Yeah. Kyrie Irving and I don't know what they can find him, but I'm not saying like it's a huge deal that Tim. I mean, kids see worse all the time, but let's guys let's rein it in a little bit. We don't need to be swearing with our fingers so much. But yeah, the Royals, uh, they made an error and then they took it away. I, I did not have a chance to. I was at that game, but I didn't get a chance to follow up. But Raul uh, Adalberto Mondesi had a uh, an a booted a grounder and they changed it to a, a hit. So the Royals also have not. The Royals have great defense. They can't hit for crap, and their pitching, their bullpen's good. Their starting pitching is suspect, but they, you know, they have. We've talked about it on the show. Bobby Witt is terrific, and Mondesi is, and Nick Lopez from Naperville Zone is playing a good second base. So they are fun to watch on defense, and not fun to watch in in any other way. So. Do uh, do UL Washington and Daryl Motley still play for the Royals? They don't, but I did see Dennis Leonard recently oh. at an event. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, he's he's fun to talk to. He's he's a crotchety old right hander. And uh, I like that. I like seeing the old Royals from the seventies. It's fun to see, you know, Frank White. He's he he holds a public office in Jackson County, and George Brett still comes out to the park, and it's good. It's like, you know, you're ten years old again, and the Royals are all the cool Royals from the seventies and eighties are hanging around, and they'll have jobs to do with the Royals or the county or someone. So. Uh, some of the younger listeners of this podcast might not know that UL Washington played second base for the Royals, and he played it with a toothpick. He in did. His mouth, which just Dusty just manages with a toothpick. Yeah. UL Washington played, played with, it. with it, which just seems dangerous. <laughs> yes, Mom, it does. You could get a grounder up in the face, and then what do you yeah. got? You got bridge work, right? Or you, you got toothpick sticking through your lips. Accidentally swallow your toothpick, and then you got to pass that thing. That uh. would be pleasant. No. You get it at both ends. Ouch. Yeah. Oof. 
uh, yeah, I remember as a kid being like, oh, that's cool. And my dad's like, no, 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 don't get any ideas, smart guy. <laughs> what? That could be my thing. Like, no, that's not going to be yours. How about your thing is uh, successfully field a grounder once in a while? Okay, that could be my thing. I'll try. I'll try to do that instead. That's good coaching by your dad. I like that. Yeah. Um, the uh, the once red hot Cubs have now fallen to six and seven. Uh, they are in. Uh, they're now they're tied for third with the Pirates. Tie with the Pirates just never sounds good, no matter how many games no, you played. It's not good, especially since the Pirates are actively trying to not win. The Cubs are kind of passively trying to not win. But the Pirates are actively just like, they won't call up guys that could help. They just gave players away. And yet, same record as the Cubs. That seems... Their, uh, their top pitching prospect, Ronzi, Rones, Rones, uh, Rones and Contreras, he's... You know, throwing three innings at a time and doing great. Then what do we do? We send them to AAA today. So they, I don't know what, you know, the, the Pirates apparently have so many other good starting pitchers that that's they, right. that's a they, don't, they don't need Ronzi Contreras out there. So I'm not complaining because I had him on my fantasy team either. I'm I'm saying as a general ambassador to the game, the Pirates are not trying hard enough to win. That's what. That's what I'm saying. They have a shortstop prospect. You're going to have to tell me what his name. O'Neal. O'Neal Cruz. O'Neal Cruz. Who is six foot seven? Yes. How does that work? Does it work? Well, you just keep. Yeah, it might not. I mean, Cal Ripken. How tall was Cal Ripken? Like he wasn't that tall. Three. This is. Yeah. Right. And that was considered. Thought he was a tall. giant. Yeah. Now, it's we like, know Corey Seager too tall to play shortstop because Theo Epstein told us. <laughs> O'Neal, I, I can't imagine what he thinks of O'Neal Cruz. He's like, well, <laughs> right. what, what the fuck is going on with this guy? That no. does not compute. He's too tall to play baseball. He shouldn't even have a job. And then Theo runs off in a gorilla suit. I can't handle this. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Theo just left a Pirates game in a f- in a gorilla suit? Uh, yeah. So between O'Neal Cruz and and Ronzi, hey Ronzi. It's like a your dog is <laughs> pitching for the Pirates. Hey, Ronzi. Yeah, it's like he, has a, he was born with a hockey nickname <laughs> for an actual name. Yes. Ronzi. Yes. What's your real name? Like uh, Rowan? No, Ronzi. It's probably Rowanzi. Mike Quaddy's brain would have exploded if he had yeah. Ronzi. Because what would he have called him? Ronzi E? I mean, that was Quaddy's whole thing was he just added an E to everybody's name. Yes. In the hockey tradition, as you said. And I forget there was, oh, I wish I could remember this. There was one absurd one that he dropped. It was a guy who already had an E, and he basically <laughs> did the, it was great. He was, poor Mike, was he was completely overmatched the whole time, and um, even on the nicknames. We Are we worried about Seiya at all? He didn't, he didn't have a second week like he did a first week. Well, he kept walking. He had a bad game tonight. He DH'd, and so uh, Boog's theory was, um, you know, it's tough to tough to be a DH for the first time. You don't really know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Um, when you're not uh, when you're not hitting, uh, it reminded me though of you remember a uh, former Orioles uh, player John Lowenstein. Yeah. He occasionally DH'd, and he his theory <laughs> that he got asked, "What do you what do you do uh, while you're DHing?" He said, "Well, between every inning, I go down and I flush the toilets to keep my wrists." limber which I thought was funny. 
He also was a guy who uh, late in the season one year he um, he went for a he went for a fly ball in Old Municipal Stadium and he crashed into the wall and he laid on the ground. The center fielder ran over and got the ball and threw it back in and he didn't get up. And the trainers went out and they looked at him and he was laying there and they they waved for like the for the bring a stretcher out. They bring a stretcher out and he gets on the stretcher. You know, they pick him up, put him on a stretcher. Stretcher is is being wheeled back into the infield, and he just popped up off the stretcher and ran back to right field. He was fine. He just thought it would be hilarious to do that, <laughs> which was pretty funny. So we just got to get make- so we just got to get say it. I go flush it. It's I'm sure it's, Sloan is the the flushing partner of the Cubs. There's plenty of Sloan toilets for him to flush between innings, keep those wrists limber. Can you imagine trying to explain that joke and reference <laughs> to say it with the translations? <laughs> yeah. and, this a lot of hand work, motions. Could that possibly work? I don't. I... <laughs> say it's funny. He gives himself away. Um, he and I don't blame him. Like if I was playing in Japan, I would be using. I'd be using a translator. Yeah, right. it's it's very when he gets interviewed, it's very clear that he understands yeah. the question in English, and he's just kind of waiting for the train because sometimes he interrupts the translator. Right, it's like we don't need this. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I got it. Farce. And they will occasionally answer in English, but it usually only when it has something to do with Mike Trout. He's done that <laughs> twice now. Um, right. His Mike Trout, I love you, and then um, he had another Mike Trout thing yesterday. I think I forget what it was, but those were his English answers. But it is funny because he just, you know, you can you could just kind of see like, yeah, okay, all right. You, you don't have to go through the whole thing. Marquis did a thing that <laughs> they were showing um, showing an interview with Saya, and um, it was just a clip. It wasn't a whole interview. They just did a clip. They were just using a clip. And the way mm-hmm. they did the clip was, <laughs> you heard the reporter ask the question in English. Then we heard the translator translate the entire thing to Seiya. Then we heard Seiya's entire answer in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then we heard the translator in English. It's like, guys, we didn't need all of this. You could have simply played the translator's answer. We didn't need the other four minutes of this. I mean, I know you have an hour pregame show to fill, but let's not fill it with one question to Seiya Suzuki. Right. <sighs> it's funny. That's uh, <clears throat> kind of a funny well, to me, thing about being a reporter when there is anybody with a translator remembering, you know, if, I, if I'm if i putting my uh, phone up to them to record whatever they're saying, to not put up the phone to the player who's just speaking Spanish or whatever. Yeah, make sure you get, make sure you get like, all I mean, that. That's on. not going to do you any good, Dave. So, Because <laughs> you, you should, this should be your new go-to before. So you ask, you ask the, the player the question. They answer it in Spanish. You interrupt the translator, and you're like, I don't think I got all that. And stick the, <laughs> just go right back to right. the player again. Could you repeat that? Yes. And the translator, why? What? Why? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh. Oh, speaking of Marquee, I have my issues with the Cubs TV network. No. Um, and tonight I had a big one. Maybe it was only for me. Um, apparently, Ian Happ is wearing a batting glove that have this like Bolt logo on them. And Taylor McGregor got the great story about how the guy who, the guy who owns the company, and I don't remember the name of the company. That's how good the anecdote was. I don't remember the company. Right. Uh, he named it whatever he named it because his grandfather got struck by lightning twice. Wow. So Boog and JD were having a little fun with the uh, with that, and I'm sitting there here in my in my basement. <laughs> As the blogger should. Yes. And I'm like, you're not, you're, I don't know how you would, I don't know how you would eloquently move, you would broach this topic, but the Cubs have a former pitcher who famously was killed by a lightning bolt. Mm. Somehow you have to work Jeremy Gonzalez into this answer. Somehow. They didn't. And it's like, why do you even have your own network then? (laughs) Right. <laughs> if you can't do it on your own network, when are you ever going to get to drop a... By the way, did you know Jeremy Gonzalez got struck by lightning on a beach? And that's what killed him? No, I didn't know that. I don't think either one of them knew it. That's. I guess that's the part. If I thought they were, like, just couldn't find an elegant way to work it in, that would be one thing. Right. But I'm like, they don't even know this. They don't know the real history of the franchise. The important <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yes. It would be just as tragic... As if uh, back in the glory days, Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren were talking about satellite dishes. <laughs> and they didn't talk Bo about Diaz. how Bo Diaz got crushed by a satellite dish. Right. Was it crushed? I thought he... Uh, did, did he fall uh, off the? Did he fall off his roof trying to put his satellite dish up? I don't really know. It was some I sort of... It, was it a, is satellite it was dish. Satellite dish installation mishap. And I, I thought maybe lightning had something to do with it too, but I could be misremembering, but... Uh, it's uh, this is kind of baseball related. Um, so in Beloit, Wisconsin, um, where they changed the team name, I'm, I'm still I'm still irritated about this. The minor league baseball team, which I worked for for a year, was the Beloit Snappers. The Snappers, because there's Turtle Creek runs through Beloit, mm. and they had Snappy, the world's greatest, most depressed looking mascot. <laughs> he was just we love Snappy, but it was like oh god, he looks so morose. Uh, they have changed their name this year, but they, they rebranded. They got a new stadium last year, and uh, they rebranded, and they have a new affiliate. They're affiliated with the Marlins now. They are the Beloit Sky Carp. Mm. Do you know what a Sky Carp is? I remember seeing a conversation about this, but it's 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 failing me. It's a goose. Oh, that's all it is. It's a goose. Mm. Uh, but anyway, the long way to get to this um, is that the new stadium is ABC Supply Stadium, and it was uh, mostly funded. Beautiful stadium. It's right downtown in Beloit now. Um, the stadium they had before, uh, Pullman Field, uh, maybe the worst minor league stadium uh-huh. in the world. I guess the one in Clinton, Iowa, worse. I never went to that one. That's the one that smells like dog food because there's a, <laughs> there's a dog food plant, and the whole town smells like dog food. Um, but the Pullman Stadium's terrible. Um, I I worked there in 2003. It was a great year to work there. It was uh, Prince Fielder, Tony Gwynn Jr., uh, Ricky Weeks showed up right after the draft. Uh, they went to the Midwest League Championship Series where they lost to Felix P.A. 
Justin Jones and the Lansing Lugnuts. Um, one of my favorite, some memorable moments. If people listen to the other podcasts. Like we've heard these. I don't care. You could you could hit. <laughs> there's a little thing. It's like it says thirty on it. You press it a few times. And you skip, skip all this. Ahead. Um, but some things that happened that year, <laughs> one of them was during a road trip, the, um, the snappers, um, I hesitate to call it, the facilities people had been asked by the team if they could, um, put a door in between the clubhouse and the weight room, because the way to get there was you had to go down the hall and go around. Like, it's just on the side of the wall. Can't you just put a door in? What they did was it was a cinder block wall. <laughs> They simply chipped out a bunch of the cinder blocks. And so it was this jagged, you know, oh, thing. God. And I went in there after every game. I had to go in there and um, I hit, I would, it was the official score and I ran the scoreboard. Started a new tradition, which I hope they still do. They were doing it a few years ago uh, on uh, first pitches, ceremonial first pitches. I would put up the ball or the strike after the pitch. Ah. It took a while for fans to catch on, but then they really enjoyed the fact that I was <laughs> trying to decide whether it was a ball or a strike. It was usually a ball, but um, that's pretty. It's pretty clever. I, I mean, so. maybe you're hard up to, up there in Beloit for entertainment. We, but were, we were absolutely were. Um, so anyway, so I game had ended, and I had to go find Don Money. He was the manager. Oh man! Yes. Oh, I love Don. Um, I had to go find Don because. I don't know if this is how it's really supposed to work, but it's certainly how it works all year for me. After every game, I had to show the box score to both managers, and they could then try to argue with me to change, like, an error to back to no a head kidding. or whatever. Um, I had to find Don, and I walked in. I never, I rarely ever went into the clubhouse, but I, somebody's like, he's in the clubhouse. And I'm like, can I go? And like, yeah, you can go, you can go find him. I walked in, and I looked, and I saw this ridiculous <laughs> hole in the wall. <laughs> And I just looked at it and I go, Jesus, it looks like the Kool-Aid man crashed through the wall. And Prince Fielder, who's ni- oh, all of 19, thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And it is pretty funny. <laughs> and he apparently constantly referred to it as the Kool-Aid man wall from Adelaide. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Um, we oh, had, yeah. uh, so uh, he was Anthony Gwen at the time. He's now going uh-huh. back to Tony Gwynn Jr. He was he was fighting the whole. I'm I'm my own right. man. I'm going to be. Right. I think he had a great relationship with his dad. Uh, Tony was there a lot, which was cool to see. Mm. Tony Gwynn would come in and uh, he'd go to games. And uh, we had this <laughs> this one great moment where um there's the the, the park was the weirdest little setup. There was like at field level there was one row of seats that was that was down at field level. Yeah, and I was—I think it was originally put in just for scouts or whatever—and then they figured, hey, mm-hmm. we can sell these, and so they people could buy the one row, and then it went up to like normal, <clears throat> you know, kind of the concourse level, and then there were, and then so there was a concourse, and then there were all the other seats. Well, on right. the concourse, a few places they put picnic tables, and we're sitting up in the press box, and we look down, and Tony Gwynn, you know, Hall of Fame player Tony Gwynn, is sitting at a picnic table. And a reporter from the CBS affiliate in Rockford is sitting on the other side of the table, just watching the game and shooting a little footage, and clearly has no idea who the yeah. guy is who's sitting there. And we just watched we just watched with fascination that that reporter sat there for like 45 minutes <laughs> and then just left. And we're like, we should call the station and be like, yeah, did you know your sports guy sat next to Tony Gwynn for 45 minutes and never ask him a question? <laughs> um. 
And then early in the season, Cecil Fielder would be there. A few times yeah. I went into Don's office and Cecil was in there and Cecil had the big Yan- his big Yankee World Series ring on. And, mm-hmm. um, and then one day I showed up and the guy, the, the I sat next to the PA announcer and he's like, I don't think we're going to see Cecil anymore. Hmm. And I'm like, why? And he said, uh, Prince got served today. There was a casino. Cecil owned the casino a considerable amount of money, and they couldn't get a hold of Cecil, so they served Prince because apparently Cecil, the money Cecil had lost in the casino was a considerable chunk of Prince's signing bonus. Oh, my God. Cecil was Prince's agent. That ended right then. So we, never, we didn't see Cecil again. Um, and then we also had, there was this, uh, there was, the food at the park was okay. But there was this one place, one part of the park, there was this little, like, they called it the, um, what did they call it? The shack? Eh, that's not what they called it. Uh, but anyway, it had, like, um, it had barbecue sandwiches and stuff. And the yeah. smell, it would, you know, they had the smokers going, and that was, smell would waft over the thing. And uh, <laughs> I showed up at the park one day, and uh, there was just a charred pile of uh, rubble where the <laughs> where that had been. And I'm like, what happened? I'm like, oh, yeah, it burned down last night. Like, oh. That was the end of the good barbecue sandwiches at Pullman Field. So, I don't. I haven't. Um, Cecil did that too. Cecil did rage. probably. Oh, I think it was probably the. It's probably the mafia <laughs> sending Cecil yes, a warning. The Beloit mafia. We know you like this barbecue. We're just going to burn it down. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah. I've got more. I've got. I've got lots of stories. I won't tell them all. I can just sprinkle them in. Um, but one thing I was always fascinated by with Don was. He um, sometimes I could get I could get down there pretty fast after games. I just had I had to like finish stuff up up in the press box, and I had the world's oldest laptop that they had me use, and that slowed yeah. me down a little bit. But I'd get down there relatively quick because I wanted to get the hell out of there. And I was always amazed at how quickly he could get out of his full uniform into this is what I would almost always be wearing when I went into his office. Um. You know, like the baseball T-shirt. You know, the T-shirt that has like the yeah. the, the white T-shirt that has the colored sleeves that the go three quarters sleeves, of the way yes. down. Uh, he, depending on the weather, he either had it cut into a short sleeve shirt or sleeveless, uh. and just uh, sliding shorts. <laughs> That's all he'd be in when I got there. I was like, "Oh, Don, could you put some pants on?" <laughs> so I talked to him every home game for the entire season. They actually played extra home games that year because they we had a bunch of rainouts and so we had a lot of doubleheaders thankfully yeah. those were the class a had the uh the and seven baseball innings. fans got to learn the joy of these over the last few years but they're over again the seven inning doubleheaders that saved mm-hmm. us because we were actually making up road games at like you know say Beloit was going to um they weren't going back to burlington to play the bees yeah, but they had had a rain out. They would just make the game up and blow. So we should have had seventy two home games. I think we had like seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Plus, then we had two rounds of playoffs. So I did lots of games, and I talked to Don after every one of those games. And they lost the they lost the championship series to the Lugnuts, and I had to go in for the last time to take the box score. And Don says to me. He looks at the box score and he goes, ah, that's fine. And he goes, uh, are you coming back next year? 
And I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't. I knew I wasn't because I didn't want to do it. But I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know. And he goes, we got to come back. You just got good at this job. <laughs> Which was close to a compliment as you could get out of Don. <laughs> but then I was feeling my, so I just said to him, like, you know what, Don, I'll tell you what. If you can tell me what my name is, <laughs> I will no. come back. And Mike Guerrero was the hitting coach. And he yells from, he, he heard it, and he yells from another part of the locker of the clubhouse. He yells, um, his name is Andy. And Don just reaches out his hand. And he goes, it was good to know you, young man. No <laughs> clue. No clue what my name was. After four months of seeing him all the time. No clue. That's a great, I, I would think any Don Money story is great, but that's a great Don Money story. Oh, we ran into him at a bar one night after a game in Beloit, and he, we were playing darts, and he's like, hey, can I play? And he's like, what are we, what are we playing? Like, we're playing cricket. Oh, how's this work? And we, one of the other guys just looked at him and goes, Don, we, it's like, none of us have any money. You're going to hustle us. Right. It's like, you played, Don, you you played, played Major League Baseball for 15 years. Yes. You know how to play cricket. And he's like, yeah, I guess I do. Well, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so I, I am, I don't know if there's like a, a an ending to the, uh, the man-made door with the jagged <laughs> uh, cinders. Oh, that's still there. Cause even though they've moved out, that park still, still stands. And it, and they didn't do any, I mean, couldn't you like cut yourself on it? I can't, you know. Well, I, by jagged, I mean. They they took out full cinder blocks. Yeah, okay. So instead of there just being like a nice rectangle to walk through, they pulled them out so there was like, you know. Puzzle pieces. Yes. Yeah. It was just this, you know, like, it looked like Tetris. Like they hadn't, fi- they hadn't <laughs> filled in the middle of the Tetris thing. And so it did, it literally looked, that's all they did. I'm sure they just took a sledgehammer and they bashed a bunch of them and then they chipped out around the edges to kind of make it look nice. <laughs> but they, it was basically like having the Kool-Aid man crash through the wall <laughs> and then just pick up the centers and go, oh, there's your door. <sighs> Prince and uh, mm. Prince and Tony Gwynn Jr. lived together. I think Ricky Weeks went to live with him when he showed up. And... Um, they they lived in Janesville, Wisconsin. And mm-hmm. ESPN the magazine, that was a thing back then. Uh did a little profile on Prince. And <laughs> in the profile, he got asked, well, "Why do you live in Janesville?" And he's like, "Have you ever been to Beloit?" <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the article. <laughs> the pe- the people, the good people of Beloit were not amused oh, by no. that. It's like, "Yeah, what are you going to do to him? He's 16." Um <laughs> There was a, there was a, you know, I, I have, yeah, I was official score. I have official score ethics. You know, mm. I, can't, I can't, you know, I can't be manipulated. You can't be bought. Uh, about a month into the season, Don was like, he's like, uh, I'll tell you what. Any, any close play, any, any error at first base, give the error to Prince. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if, if, if the throw's not terrible, but he doesn't handle it, give him the error. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, if it's a bad throw, I got to give the error to the, he's like, no, no, you don't. You have to give it to Prince. How the hell else am I ever going to get him to work on his defense mm. if we don't start embarrassing him with the number of errors that he has? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, Don, I don't really, I don't really want to do that. Uh, I don't want to be a part of this. There was one, one infielder. Um, what was his first name? His last name was Yur. 
E-U-R-E, Scott, who was a really good defensive third baseman. We had some terrible defensive third basemen. And so I was always I was happy whenever he played because there would be less tough decisions for me because he wouldn't, yeah. like, th- wouldn't throw every ball away. There was one huge downside to that was that his brother was serving in Iraq. And so every single at bat, his walk-up music was... I'm proud to be an American by Lee. Oh my God. Every fucking time. Oh, no one's that proud. And he was, and we even at one point, it's like, can we tell Don to bat him like ninth? <laughs> Maybe it'll save us. One, we won't have to. It'll, it'll save us like one time having to hear this every game. Yes. It didn't. It didn't work. So there you go. This uh, nothing like a major league baseball podcast, and you get twenty minutes of stories about uh, a minor league team nineteen years ago. It's very relevant. Um, but what the hell? I was going to. I forgot who. I, now I've lost my train of thought. I do that all the time. The only team in the National. I mean, the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers and Rockies are off to good starts. Actually, everybody in the West except for surprise Arizona. Is off to pretty good start, but the Mets are ten and four, the first team yeah. in Major League Baseball to ten wins. They seem to be pretty focused, you know, despite the losses of not having Degrom right now, and there's somebody else. But. Well, they only lost they lost Max for one start, or not even a start, like a day. Like he started Game yeah. Two of the season. <laughs> I was right. like, wait a minute, I thought he was hurt. Like so, uh, yeah, it did seem like uh, the sky was falling a little bit at the end of spring training. Like, oh, here they go again, and that it wasn't so bad. Well, they had the weird thing where they had Dom Smith traded, and he thought he was going to the Padres, and he was all excited about it. And then they're like, oh, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't do it. Like the old, um, how, how could I forget the guy's name? Do you remember um, when the Cubs were trying to trade? Oh, uh, Delgado, Randall Delgado. Mm. Russ, that doesn't sound right. Pitcher for the Braves. Yeah. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, um, we, Ryan Dempster had been traded to the Braves, but Ryan Dempster wanted to go to the Dodgers. So he uh, used his no trade. And on Twitter, his the, guy, the guy's tweet was, they don't, they don't did a trade. <laughs> so I still used they don't did a trade. So poor Dom Smith, he was all excited, but they don't did a trade, and uh, he didn't get traded to the Padres. He's still playing for the Mets. This poor guy has to be in first place instead. The hardship. <clears throat> yeah, well, he's been seemingly stuck behind other people on that team. You know, Alonzo, and I think he's a first baseman. I don't really think he's much of an outfielder. And it should have been a guy that they should have traded a few years ago. And they, now that they have a DH, I guess they have a use, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it was Randall Delgado. They don't did a trade. Randall. Randall. Yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy. He's for the White Sox? I don't remember that. He's only 32. He's Panamanian. Hmm. Instead, the uh, that trade didn't go through. The Cubs had to settle for a trade um, where they got Kyle Hendricks instead. 
Right. Yeah, which I, I guess that worked out. Dempster somehow take, can take credit for that. Does he really want to go to the Dodgers, even though the Dodgers didn't want him? Right. Yeah, the American League is really everybody is pretty much eight and five or seven and five or six and six, except for Texas and uh, the Orioles. So after fourteen days, we've learned nothing. Nothing has been decided. But you know, and that's how it, it usually is. I think mm-hmm. you know, it's not. I'd Don, like everything to mean something, but it doesn't. Don Zimmer used to say, and you know, he's a mathematician. <laughs> That uh, after 40 games, if you were 20 and 20 or better, you were in it. And if you were yeah. worse than that, you were screwed. So, and we still got a long way to go before we even get to 40 games. Zim, you know, baseball-wise, <laughs> despite having the, the leaky head. <laughs> Nothing like uh, hiring a manager who literally has a plate in his head. But uh, he managed a lot of teams. Yeah, he did. And he managed one of my favorite teams of all time, the the 1989 Cubs. Um, I mean, if they think people think Joe Madden did crazy stuff, right? They didn't, they didn't live through a Don Zimmer season. The Don uh, more than once that season put the hit and run on with the bases loaded. <laughs> it's exciting to see all those guys moving, all those legs moving at once. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe a dubious strategy given most of the uh, <clears throat> the back control of most of the '89 Cubs, but I mean I guess if you got Vance Law up there, you know why not? Right. Who's going to possibly overpower Vance Law? Nobody. <laughs> You're in good shape. Um. But yeah, so the uh, the Cubs. They kind of weathered a a tough part of their schedule. Um, oh, why does it start on? There we go, April. Um, well, I mean, I guess they they lost two or three of the race. <laughs> Maybe they didn't weather that. Uh, but they've got these. They've got four games with the Pirates. Uh, but then things get a little rougher for them next week. They have uh, they get to see their old friend Jesse Chavez and the Braves. Then they go to Milwaukee. I- I can't believe that the Cubs already are selling. This was this was typical. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, the Jesse Chavez for Sean Newcomb trade was um, Jesse Chavez for Jesse Chavez and cash considerations mm. um, for Sean Newcomb, and it's like, oh, I mean, poor poor Tom Ricketts. Wait till he finds out they actually had to send a check. <laughs> Well, then they traded, but today they traded um, Corey Abbott and got cash considerations. Right. So it just did all evened out. It's sure neutral. Tom's like, you got to sell somebody to make up for all that money we just <laughs> sent for that left-handed reliever that you just signed that <coughs> can, throw, can throw his fastball and nothing else. I'm sure that'll it'll work out great. Uh, but the Newcomb thing, that's it's probably not going to work, but it's the kind of thing that the Cubs should be doing. Right, it's a guy with a good arm that has a track record. Who, his um, his he's been throwing his cutter a lot and uh, 
batters have really been enjoying that. <laughs> the slugging average, his slugging percentage against his cutter this year is a thousand. Is that high? Yeah, it seems when you, high. When you go past the decimal point, that's too much. But the the Cubs will get him in the in their vaunted pitch lab, right? And that'll fix it'll fix everything because it's just what they do. So that'll be great. I mean, you're right, and we're making fun, and probably won't work. But even though it's April and they're already selling parts, which just sits funny, they should be. You know, they they need to add guys like this in volume yeah. and see if they can well, turn one of them into something. I mean, as much as I like Jesse Chavez, and I did. I mean, he was, um, he was a 2018 Cub. And, or maybe he might have been a 19 cup. What year was it? They all blurred together. All the disappointing years after the World Series sure all do. kind of blurred together. And he was great for them. And then they couldn't afford to keep him the next year. It's like, oh, God. He signed for like two years, $8 million with the Braves. Right. It's like, no. Or with the Rangers. I think he went to the Rangers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Um, so they brought him back this year. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But after we'd seen him pitch a few times, it's like, you know what? He... he Maybe it's not as cool as we thought. So he wasn't pitching very well. Newcomb wasn't pitching very well. It was basically they, the Braves were like, you know, Jesse was pretty good for us last year. Why don't you give him back? We'll get him back on track. And then you can you can play with Sean Newcomb for a while. And maybe you can fix him. And then everybody would be happy. So that's really what they I, did. I guess it's a good, uh, it's a, an accidentally good byproduct of the lockout that we're having weird little trades like this in mid to late April, which is something that I feel like we used to have maybe like 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I think maybe. you're going to see, you know, with the, uh, it's, we have this kind of weird, you know, typically at the end of spring training, that's the time when teams are trying to sneak guys through waivers. Yeah. And that's when waiver claims happen and there's all kinds of stuff. Um, it was lessened this year because the rosters artificially were bigger. They were 28 instead mm. of, and so, like I know the Cubs, there were some decisions they just didn't have to make, didn't have to make right. for a month. They're like, well, no, we've got two extra spots. Um, we don't have to worry about trying to sneak this guy down to Iowa. We'll just leave him on the roster. And I think, I think you are going to see little minor trades like this over the next couple of weeks because teams are like, well, I don't want to, you know, we got to get something for this guy. If there's a team that'll right. take him, otherwise we're going to have to put him on. Somebody's going to claim him on waivers, which is was going to happen. The two trades the Cubs the the two trades the Cubs made, the Cubs wanted to claim Newcomb, but they figured they were too far. You know, they were six and six at the time. And like right. somebody's going to grab him. The, you know, the Reds are going to grab him because they have no pitching. <laughs> they have Hunter Green and right. nobody else, so they're going to claim him. <clears throat> so they had to do this trade, and then, um, Christ, I don't remember who the Cubs had had, had waived Corey Abbott so they could activate the incredibly talented Mark Leiter Jr. Um. And it was the same thing. He was going to, somebody was going to get him on waivers. So instead, a team's like, you know, can we just give you some money? Right. And trade him to us? So that's what they did. I think you're going to see, it's nothing going to be, obviously, nothing earth shattering is going to happen. But I think there will be like a weird little uh, bubble of late April trades for no better reason than mm-hmm. um, they've got guys on the 40 man that they don't have any options left. Right. And it's either lose him for nothing or get something for him. That's right. what happened the last two days with the Cubs. Um, so that's we got that to look forward to. It's basically like a mini trade deadline, except with bad <laughs> players. With, with bad players with huge pants. Je- Jesse Chavez is yeah. 
has uh, more, you know, yards per leader or whatever than than anybody else in the league. He's got the, the hugest pants. I wonder if um, I think the Cub Grays and the Braves Grays are pretty close. I wonder if he just like just they let him just take his pants. Right. Yeah. Better leave the pinstripes. We can take the Grays. Okay. And then he's got that would the, be a great the very... odd question to ask him. <laughs> Yeah. Are you wearing you your Cubs night pants right now? <laughs> well, you see it pitch because the... I lost you. I bumped the mute you. while I was I was doing unnecessarily. I was pointing to my hip, and I hit right. the mute. I hit the cough button on my microphone um, because the Cubs the Cubs road pants have the little Cub logo on the hip. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Yeah. That. Right. Yeah. The. Uh, the guy who does uni, uni watch mm-hmm. had a he's was fascinated by the weird little touches that the Cubs uniforms have. Mm-hmm. The their the blues, which I hardly ever wear, I'm so glad because I hate them. Right. That alternate jersey blue um, is the only jersey in baseball that has a league patch on it. The Cubs have a okay. national league patch on it, and the reason they do is that the <coughs> You know the 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 patch that they typically have on the sleeve of their jerseys is the crawling bear. Yeah. Well, that's the logo that's actually that's on the, the chest. So they're like, well, we got to put something on the sleeve, and some genius right. said, put the put the net. We're so proud of being the charter franchise of the National sure. League. We'll just put the the National League logo on there. Well, this is like uh, the dumb White Sox adding um, a second yeah. SOX. They had. The kind of cool, I thought, the base or whatever it was. Yeah, with the little and, sock. Yes. Yep. Right. And then, no, let's put another socks on there. Yeah. No, that's I mean, um, The Cubs, I think the Dodgers do it now, too, right? Where the Cubs have the raised, the, the batting helmets mm-hmm. actually have, mm-hmm. like, a, a raised, like, embroidered logo, which. Yes, not yeah. embroidered, but I get it. Well, I think it, it think it actually is, and then it's it's a really? sticker. You can embroider like non fabric. Well, it's it's fabric. It's just made. It's a sticker. Like they took the embroidered C and they put like a sticky backing on it, and they All stick right. it on the helmet. And occasionally, because it's raised, <laughs> you know, guys throwing their helmets around, the yeah, C sure. will be sideways, right, or it'll right. be missing, which is <clears> always <throat> funny. They also have this weird thing where if you've ever noticed the font for the number on the back of the helmet uh-huh. looks like the Red Sox jersey font for yeah, no reason. Right. Like they couldn't buy stickers that have their own cub the you know the cubs have very distinct numbers. Nobody else uses that font. Right. Why do they have the it's it's like they were at a garage sale. Yes. Like the they went to show, well they copy everything um, Red Sox. So the Ricketts were probably right. at like a Fenway garage sale, and they, you know, Todd came home with a box full of numbers. <laughs> look, at this stuff, guys. Look, look what I got. It's a big <laughs> score. <sighs> yeah, so there's that. I forget. There was a bunch of, uh, they have a bunch of weird little quirky, which are kind of cool, um, stuff on their uniforms. But those are the ones I remembered because he was fascinated by why do the pants need the little, it's so small. Like you barely, like you only can see it on TV. Fans at a game have no idea that the road grays have a little cub logo on the hip. Right. But they do. Why not? I guess somebody, 
some poor, you know, clubby. It's like, I have to sew the fucking logo <laughs> on the pants again. Jesse Chavez showed up and he brought gray pants and I got to sew the damn logo on. <laughs> yeah, and then we were in one of our first podcasts together. I I told an erroneous anecdote. Can you believe that? No. The anecdote that I got right was the fact that the Cubs retired 31 for two guys who at the yeah. time were the only two pitchers in baseball history with 3,000 strikeouts and less than 1,000 walks. That was right. But then mm. I said that the Bears have retired number seven for two guys, George Hallis and George McAfee. This is wrong. George McAfee was number five. Yeah. So the Bears did not retire. Still, I think, uh, you know, the Yankees have eight retired for for two guys, Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra. Yeah, right. And the Cubs have 31 retired for two, two, ca- two catchers and two pitchers. It's very funny. Yeah. I mean, kind of funny. But I was wrong. And I remember this crap co-host, Mike Donahue, was happy to uh, shame me in my wrongness. I mean, it's always good to be correct, but it, it, it being kind of hard on you there. Yeah. So George Hallis was seven. He was seven. And he's that's what's retired for, for him. And right. for Bob Avellini, probably. I would guess. Yeah, was it, when did they, re, did they retire seven when Hallis died? It's a good question. Because kind of It just kind of happened. I don't know if anybody wore it after Avellini. I Bob Avellini is easily my least favorite bear of all time. Yeah. Um, he was awful, and a small, a young me threw a very terrible tantrum in our house when Bob Avellini threw a game-wrecking interception in the kingdom. Um, mm. I've told this story on that podcast, but that was, I, I, I was like, I don't know, seven or eight, and I was yeah. very mad. And my dad just turned to my brother and goes... Andrew takes this pretty hard. Um, <laughs> so I always hated Bob Avellini for that. I don't know that anybody wore it after him. Um, the, one, the one thing I don't like, I think the Bears have really cool uniforms. The one thing I don't like is, I don't like their ones. It's a yeah. stripe. It's not a number. Like Justin Fields is just wearing a stripe. There's no yeah. serif at all. There's no I mean, serif. How about a little, you know, something, a little something poking out to the left or a little thing at the bottom. Nah, just one big, long stripe painted right down the middle of the jersey. And we're calling that. It, it is consistent, is it not, though? With the, does the seven sort of look like that? But, you know. Yeah, it actually makes is... sense, given the way yeah. the numbers look. Right. But it's kind of bleh. But very few guys had ever been just worn one. Um was that was Jeff Jager one? Jeff Jager, I believe Jeff George was one. I don't people a lot of people don't remember Jeff George played for the Bears he, for like a I, week and a I'm half. I'm not remembering it. Yes, um, he was one. Not very many guys have worn it. Mostly, I think because when you pick it and they show it to you, you're like, "Well, that looks stupid." <laughs> give me another. <laughs> give me another one. Right? Give me another. Uh, Eleven looks weird too on a bear jersey. Yeah, it's just it's like the. It looks like you're wearing a, a shirt that's just like a remembrance of the Twin Towers. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible day. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's Roy. It's just Roy Williams standing there going, what? No, it's 11. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, sorry. I remember where I was that day, Roy. Never forget. 
Right. Right. Like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's probably enough. Okay. We descend into Roy Williams jokes. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to go. But uh, it's always fun. So until next time. uh, Thanks, David. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. Many of us have herpes. 